As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. I was going to say Reapers welcome, but I didn't because I thought that would be confusing and people would think I'm just dumb. So I'm going to say Spectres welcome. <laughs> it's the 100th episode. Holy moly. Hi, guys. Yes. I'm oh, so ready. What? Reapers are welcome to this episode, too, strangely enough. This is Tom. That's Sam. Robots and Seven the Legend. You guys know who we are because we've done 100 episodes right now. This is it. This is the 100th episode. That's crazy. I can't believe it. I, I really, I mean, it doesn't feel like it's been that long, does it? No, no. In fact, this catches up, uh, like, I, I do lots of shows, right? And it hits me every time I hit a milestone like this, it sneaks up. And I'm like, what? This is how many episodes we're at right now? I added, so this is a fun little aside. We didn't put this in the show notes. I added up, I did a rough approximation because I couldn't find every episode of everything. I added up how many actual podcast episodes I've done all together across all my shows. You want to give have a guess on what, what that number is? Uh, 1,337. That's close. It's over 900. I've at least <laughs> oh, done, there we go. I've at least done over 900 episodes. That's crazy. But anyway, this is a hundred episodes of the Mass Effect Lorecast. Welcome back, everybody. We have a very special episode because we're going to be reflecting on the last two years of content. Sam, and Sam's done a lot of work for this. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I, I have, um, been very into it. You know, it was... Uh, my idea to, to do this best of kind of segment for the 100th episode. And so I, I kind of went all in. I listened to, you know, uh, all of our listeners when they when they submitted their suggestions for their favorite moments on our survey. Mm -hmm. And not all the time did they know what the timestamp was. Uh, but by God, you know, I com I committed to the bit and I was going to see it through. So I parsed through a lot of audio so that we could have this. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing all that hard work, because I think we're about to reap all the benefits of all the stupid stuff we said. We have said a lot of stupid <laughs> stuff, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we, we've, we've been from really broad overviews like the first contact war and the Andromeda initiatives departure to specials like the mm -hmm. behind the music and even the behind the medicine of Mass Effect episodes that we did very recently. Um, so we featured races of Mass Effect from the Protheans to the Angara. We've even highlighted individual personalities like Anderson, Ashley, and Dr. Michelle. Yeah. We've 
talked with our patrons a lot, you know, about a whole host of topics from best loadouts to best romance and where the two might intersect. Yeah. And you know what? This is big thanks to you for all your hard work, but also everybody who responded to our surveys and shared some of their favorite moments and all of that stuff. We couldn't put this together if it wasn't for you guys and your help. And so this is the episode where we have all the results and we have sound clips for you and sound effects and all sorts of fun stuff. So (laughs) where do we start? You know, I wasn't sure if any of our listeners had noticed that I was doing this, but I was doing this one thing repeatedly, like almost every episode there for dozens of weeks. And uh, it turns out that they did notice because they included (laughs) it on their responses in in the uh, in the survey. Um, But it, it appears that my attempt to integrate witty introductions for many of the uh, races and the topics, it did not go unnoticed. I always tried to write uh, a, a new witty way to introduce uh, the newest thing that we were going to talk about. So why, why don't we listen to that right now? Oh, here we go. Going back in time, everybody. We're talking about the rotund, breathy, bowling ball, masterful, masterful merchants and bountiful banker blob race. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. And they look like Danny DeVito. And you sent me a picture of Danny DeVito if he was a volus. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the Turians. They are the tall, dutiful, imposing, rigid, cool, but collected peacekeeping bird people of the council. (laughs) I've never thought of them as bird people, but they are kind of birdy, aren't they? A race that is worth discussing very slowly very slowly very slowly Uh, this week we are talking about a species pretty (laughs) unique to the series i'm not going to do the whole thing i'm not gonna that's i'm not that's a that's a bit that's not like a method acting technique to the Um, series We're discussing the slow moving pachyderms of the Mass Effect uh, universe, Mm -hmm. and they are a race that kind of reminds me of Eeyore, you know, and then that race, of course, is the Elcor. Yeah, wait, wait. And so today we are talking about not Space Dad, but Space Uncle. Space Uncle. And he's a cool uncle, too. Space Uncle Admiral Stephen Hackett. How awesome is it that recently we took a character dive into Joker and then the Normandy itself. We're going to talk about uh, the ghost in the machine, Edie. So, yeah. and of course, oh, yeah. <laughs> the Batman. Yeah, there you go. There yeah. we go. So, uh, so yeah, okay. So this is Joker from Batman episode. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like he'd be quite antagonistic, uh, but I, I guess he and uh, the Normandy's Joker do have that in common because uh, the Normandy's Joker is, you know, as we all know, just as likely to crack wise remarks as he is to crack a bone. So there you go. That's pretty in common. Did you notice something different on the intro? I sure did. <laughs> and that voice that you just heard in the intro was none other than Mark Mir, also known as Solomon Gunn, a.k.a. Opold, a.k.a. Niftu Kal, the biotic god. And, you know, he's also been called the Lion of Elysium, the Avatar of Victory, the Hero of Eden Prime, Broshep, the first human specter, Shepherd Commander, a.k.a. Commander Shepherd himself. That's crazy, right? We're talking about one of my favorite characters. We are dissecting the Doctor of Shock and Awe, the Silver Fox Surgeon. We are examining the physician that I would uh, like to examine. Uh, the... <laughs> Do you want to explain? Do you want to go into a little more detail about that? Why is that, Sam? 
<laughs> For people who have listened to me off air enough, they know that I have uh, an inexplicable attraction to Dr. Chakwas. Dr. Chakwas. A very special guest joining us. You probably recognize him from his uh, standout roles like the Elcor Bouncer, uh, Niftu Cal, the Biotic God, the Preaching Hanar, and yeah, who could forget Blasto? No, of course, I'm joking. Uh, because we have with us someone who needs no introduction, the man behind the voice of Commander Shepard, Mark Muir. Thank you for joining us, Mark. Not at all. Thanks for having me. And happy N7 Day Eve. So I found it only fitting that the character that would be following up the guns would be one of the first squad mates we get, and one who hangs out in the Normandy's armory cleaning the rifles. It is the sassy, badassy, with quite the fine <laughs> chassis, the warrior poet Ashley Williams. You just said that. <laughs> you, just, you just said badassy and fine chassis. Oh man! All right, so I, I am I am the poet, I guess. Oh God, I'm the one that does the dad jokes. You're taking my job. All right, so let's get started. <laughs> that badassy one. That one was actually <laughs> named uh, itself. Uh, so a number of our listeners had responded to that survey and said, uh, "Sassy, badassy, with quite the fine chassis is a perfect way to describe Ashley." Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, your descriptions are really stellar. <laughs> out of this world. Completely out of the world. Yeah, out of the galaxy. <laughs> out, of the, out of this galaxy. Oh, man. Uh, okay. Uh, any other so, thoughts on these? Yeah, well, you know, I... I, I I appreciated the fact that that a couple had a couple of people had noticed because I had really put some thought into uh, chaining s syllables together and adjectives and all these other words and literary devices to try to introduce people in a fun new way uh, mm -hmm. because I know that my, as as one reviewer put it months and months and months ago I have a tendency to sound monotonous and like a volus <laughs> oh so. boy <laughs> thanks reviewers <laughs> but you know there were a couple times I broke character as the lore subject matter guy and I really just told our listeners what's up you know I just told our listeners the way it is so let's go back to episode 20 we're at episode 100 now so 80 mm -hmm. episodes ago mm -hmm. we had only been doing this show for about like six months at the time uh, but we were really starting to find a groove I think yeah it takes it takes a little while to to really kind of do that <laughs> to 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 find your groove um and uh, I mean, I've done this with a number of different shows, right? And you always start with like doing the show and then having your co-host and then trying to figure out the format of the show and the chemistry between the hosts. And then the audience shows up and the audience starts to grow a bit. And so by this point, like 20 episodes in was still pretty early, but we had already like the, the show exploded with a uh, legendary edition coming out. It did. And we were like, we jumped up pretty quickly to roughly, I don't know, 19,000 downloads a month. And it was, it was huge, like a very unexpected, very quick growth. Like, wow. Yeah. We, we were reaching, I think in within the top 50 and I think we breached the top 25 video game podcasts in the world right, on, right. on Apple, which yeah. was insane. And the like Apple I never anticipated that. Right. It was, it was that big push initially that shot us up there. And then since then we've, we've regularly jumped up into the top hundred, like every week we're, we're somewhere in the top hundred usually. So, yeah. And so the, it was just the, the, like I've said before, the growth was meteoric. Um, and all of a sudden I had a lot of new people, um, messaging me on discord 
a lot of new people joining, you know, and saying like in the robots discord, Hey, you know, what's up? I listen to the Mass Effect Lorecast and it was so new to me that anyone would be listening to my voice, let alone talking about Mass Effect. And they're yeah. like, yeah, you know, I, I, I deliver mail and I'm, I'm <laughs> listening to you guys right. talk about <laughs> like badassies, sassy, fine, <laughs> quite fine chassis while yeah. I'm delivering mail. Every other and, person who ever writes in is like, I'm a truck driver. I spend all my time on the road. So I listen to podcasts all day long. Thank you. Thank you so much for the show. Like that's like every other person. But totally yeah. get it. Totally get it. It makes sense. If you're if you're on the road, you're in transit yeah. so so much for your job. But well, it was back then at episode 20 that we were rounding out the race episodes. And then we had our penultimate one focused on the Vorcha and the Yag. Mm -hmm. And we had a number of responses to our survey that mentioned this episode for a number of reasons. But the first was my interesting choice of words for describing the Vorch's appearance. So let's take a listen. Uh, they evolved on a planet called Heshtok, which is a small, highly volcanic planet with a toxic atmosphere. Most of Heshtok's ecology has been eliminated through both aggressive consumption and environmental factors, which means that the planet is now covered in weeds and what the Codex calls hardy vermin. Ooh. <laughs> Takes me back to playing Vermintide with, with you last uh -huh. night. Yeah, those are some hardy vermin. That's for sure. So the Vorcha come from the Ratmen world. <laughs> That's yes. basically what this is telling us. Yeah, if if there's a natural predator for the for the uh, Warhammer rat people, then it's these guys. Which makes sense because of all the races in the Milky Way, these guys really, really do look like they would eat rats. Absolutely. I mean, they have the teeth for it. Like they would just gobble them up like Zoidberg gobbles up garbage. And um, their borderline, you know, like uninhabitable environment in he on Heshtok leads to an insanely adaptable race, which is by far the most unique and interesting characteristic about the Vorcha. So first of all, they have clusters like each individual uh, Vorcha has clusters on the Vorcha's body of what are called non-differentiated cells, more or less uh, we see these in some animals on Earth, primarily flatworms. So these are kind of like uh, stem cells or at least a, like a secondary uh, phase after stem cell. Right. So if you weren't apprehensive enough about their appearance, now imagine that these rat eating cottage cheese looking motherfuckers are covered in stem cells. <laughs> and they have razor sharp teeth. <laughs> and <laughs> I get this picture of them just go, turning into amorphous blobs and just like regenerating after they take wounds. They're pretty ugly. Um, and it's it's often a point of uh, like the, they're, they are the butt end of jokes in the Mass Effect universe. <laughs> I think sometimes we're the butt end of jokes in the Mass Effect <laughs> universe. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I, I, I really think so. Um, I got creative, you know, with my language and how I described the Vorcha, but mm -hmm. um, I don't think that you could accurately communicate to anyone just what these people look like, or at least the spirit of their appearance, without being a little bit vulgar. They look vulgar. 
Yeah, you know, like the um, I think this is kind of a pattern and the next clip is going to play into the pattern too. this whole like interesting descriptive language because you're on a podcast. It like, yeah, some people are going to watch the YouTube version, but most people are going to listen to the audio. So you have to paint a picture with your words. And maybe this is one of your skills you didn't realize you had until you did um, the show. Maybe so. You know, it wasn't I, I got we started this podcast and then I actually later, like much later, started working in radio. So <clears throat> I mean, which came first? I, 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 I was a writer before then. So maybe that has something to do with it. But, you know, this whole like joking around with language thing and and our alliteration is actually where we came up with one of our favorite ways to describe the Krogan. Oh, yes. Here we go. Mass Effect Paragon Lost. That's on Hulu. If anyone's interested. What? Yep. Yeah, that's on Hulu. I have Hulu. Yeah, it is a Mass Effect anime movie. It's the story about James Vega shortly before Mass Effect 3 takes place. Is it good? Have you seen it? It's I think it's pretty incredible. Is the, um, is the art good? Is like the animation good? The art is good. And weirdly enough, the only people who look uh, not good in the art style are the people we're going to be discussing today. <laughs> the Battle Turtles? The Krogan. No! That's right. So I love the uh, battle turtles. That was, that's gotta be like the weirdest slash best sequitur we've ever had. Yes. Uh, but basically, yeah, we're, we're talking this week about the hard headed confrontational race of battle turtles who has been uh, used when needed and discarded when not. And of course, you know, that's the Krogan. So, and I got to give credit to our, our, our awesome patron Vervada for introducing me to that term, by the way, battle turtles. That's not something original that I just came up with. I'm not that witty. Uh, so thank you Vervada for such an amazing, uh, phrase. Yes. And I'm going to use it from forever now, forever. Now they will be my battle battle turtle buddies. BTB BTB battle battle turtle buddies, battle turtle buddies getting my back so <laughs> so uh okay so we've we've talked about these before but uh at, at good length i mean we've talked about them being effectively neutered more or less and you yes. know the lack of battle turtle buddy babies um but there's more to discuss right that's right um beyond the amazing alliteration that you just pulled beyond the amazing <laughs> alliteration of battle turtle babies being exactly. neutered beyond belief. The Yogg are more bear-like because these are some big beefy boys. Um, <laughs> there's yeah. some alliteration for you. Some The, the Yogg are big beefy boys and they are even bigger and stronger than the Krogan. What? Uh, Wait that's a minute. That's true. Yeah, that, that's canon. Wait a minute. Our battle buddies? They are The big beefy boys are even burlier than the Battle turtle baby buddies. The battle turtle, the, ba the baby battle turtle buddies. I got through that one and I'm proud of myself. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> man, that was, that was, oh, these memories are so good. That was so silly. Um, but it spawned, it spawned merchandise, <laughs> which some people now have the battle turtle buddies t-shirt, which is available on the robotsradio.net shop it's on the link at the top but yeah so th th there's now battle turtle buddy t-shirts and then uh this 
I mean, this is a good segue. Some of the other things that came up on the show also spawned other merchandise, too. They did. Yeah. The Milky Way Music Fest. Uh, you know, that was another one of our ongoing jokes that we had. I think there were there were so many episodes where we brought up the Battle Turtle Baby Buddies. I couldn't go through all of them and clip them. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> the same goes for this this uh, recurring joke about us making bands out of the weird ways that I phrase things. And so now I know some of our listeners actually have those shirts. And now here's an excerpt from way back when when that even even though people didn't mention it in our survey i knew we had to include it it's truly i think an arc iconic moment from our show's runtime let's go let's go way back to one of the biggest stars of the milky way <laughs> here we go the angara were a much more advanced spacefaring race and they had colonized numerous planets in the helios cluster and then the Scourge came along. The Scourge might sound familiar to some of you because it's the dark energy storm in Mass Effect Andromeda, and it ruins electronics. So that's exactly what it does to the Angara. It ruins all of their electronics, and it sends them back to pre-industrial times, severing all contact they had between each of their worlds. Eventually, they rebuilt, and they achieved spaceflight again. But when they reconnected with the Angara from other worlds, they quickly realized they had become very different. Religious beliefs diverged. Hundreds of different languages developed. Ideas on governance changed. I mean, you name it, right? This is likely the, the based on the concept of natural selection, evolution, and, and Darwin's finches. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, you separate two populations long enough. Right. And they become different. Uh, like you had just mentioned in regards to the cat earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. D- Darwin's finches. I mean, that's that's a good way to put it. It just kind of sounds funny, but yeah. Yeah, like like Darwin's finches is the new uh, Disney movie coming out. Right. Or it sounds like it sounds like a '90s folk band is what it sounds like. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming to the festival where Darwin's finches. Uh, thanks for being here, buddy. This this is our new tune called Space Traveler. If you like us, please sign the guest book with Lisa afterward. (laughs) (laughs) Buy a t-shirt. Buy a t-shirt. Wear wear some beads and and try our patchouli oil. (laughs) They're super into hard kombucha, uh, which I feel like some of of the people around me in Portland might take offense to if they listen to this. (laughs) This is important. So this, this, this whole point about like severing contact between two populations, the two populations then becoming very different. uh, This concept is very important to keep in mind in regards to the Ket's conflict with Angara because the Ket exploited these differences on purpose. The Ket invaded the Helios cluster in about 2744, so about 74 years before the Nexus arrives in the Helios cluster. And of course, when the Angara first meet the Ket, they try singing Kumbaya around a campfire, thinking hey, everything will be this, okay. We brought this really cool band. It's called Darwin's Finches. You guys want to sing along? <laughs> Their hit song is Kumbaya. <laughs> they did this uh, really cool cover of Kumbaya. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's nothing like you've heard before, though. It's a totally different rendition. It's totally chill. Um, You're going to love it. So, okay, so that was the origin of Darwin's Finches. And I think that big came the whole that was the beginning of the whole bands thing 
Yeah, that was that was the very first one that we made. Uh, and then we had a number of them after that. We had the wealthy pigeons. Mm-hmm. We had mm-hmm. um, mitochondria and osmosis. I think that was the slam poetry one, right? <laughs> yes, right. Yes. Yeah. Um, we, we definitely stayed on topic all the time. All, all the time. <laughs> we are well known for never veering off of topic, never having offbeat humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that, that's definitely not true. Um, because we we've had pretty lengthy tangents and we've also you know we've also kind of gone off the rails at times and so while i was looking for that file i actually came across another one of probably everyone's favorite memory from the show at least i hope so it's certainly one that's brought up a lot um but it wasn't requested by anyone so i hope people forgive me but i think you all will like this one and let me tell you before you play this clip tom I guarantee you, you don't know where this is going. <laughs> okay, weird. Where because we said it ourselves, but okay. <laughs> well, I it starts in a very peculiar way, mm. <laughs> and okay. this is a curveball of a clip. But l- l- let's play it. All right, here we go. And so today's topic, we're talking about the nipples of all the different races across the galaxy. The nipples. The hairy ones, the big ones, the small ones, the, the non-existent with ones. multiple areolas, the ones with tattooed areolas, the ones with four-dimensional areolas. I can see the BuzzFeed article now. Ten nipples and mass effects you didn't know you wanted. You know what? I think we should start our own blog where we just make up details, like fake lore details about mass effect stuff. <laughs> and then we just Photoshop pictures to make it look like it's real things. And we just see how long that goes until eventually we just get shut down. Danny DeVito made a cameo in mass effect three amazing as a yeah they motion captured and worked his face and modeled the, fa- the face of the volus <laughs> after him look at how look at the uncanny resemblance new leak just confirmed that danny De- danny devolus is going to be a romanceable option in mass effect four <laughs> you won't believe what you have to do to get to first base <laughs> or third <laughs> who's counting Who's counting? Oh man, Danny DeVolis. And you're right, I didn't remember the whole nipple conversation. <laughs> oh, right, because that was kind of like the point when I was going back and clipping this. Like, I heard us talking about nipples. <laughs> and I was like, where is this going? <laughs> Even I was like, I didn't remember it. So then I was like, okay, well, I definitely have to find out where this is going. And then I kept listening and I was like, oh my God, that's the creation of Danny DeVolis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Some of these are great because the whole context is part of what's so funny. Like you walk away and you remember, oh, Danny DeVolis, that's a funny thing. But the way that you got there is sometimes part of the part of the fun. Um, exactly. So, so we had, so I had to clip it early enough, but right in, in the middle of what is going on uh for 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 that clip to make the cutting room floor but that was just you know the danny devolis thing i I stumbled over my words but i decided to go with it anyway and uh we got to go to the mid break but when we come (laughs) back i i have more gaffes of ours oh boy this this is gonna be a lot of fun let's go thank our patrons because you guys are a huge part of the show and we can't do this without you so here we go i am so excited about our sponsor this week marvel strike force i freaking love 
Marvel comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and it's 100 episodes in. You've probably heard this before, but our patrons are amazing. You're the best. We couldn't do this without you. Genuinely, we couldn't do this without you. So here's to another 100 episodes, and thank you for your support. We don't have any new patrons to shout out this week, but we always have our... Shepherd tier patrons who get shoutouts every week. That includes Kolkashins, Kirasi, Lieutenant Tosino, Shep Valkyrian, the Spect or that Spectre Grit J. I think I made that gaff. Speaking of gaffs, I think I did that gaff last week. Uh, and William and all 70 of our current patrons. Thank you so much for your support. Also, if you leave us a five-star rating with a review, we'll read it out on a future episode. We're still going to keep doing that because it's our way of saying thanks to the people for taking the time to do that because it really does matter. It really does help us and can communicate to other people that like, hey, this is a show worth checking out. So thank you to everybody who does that and shares the show with others and rates it on Spotify and all of that kind of stuff. Thank you so much for being here and everybody in chat right now. Thank you for joining us for the live show. Everybody watching on YouTube, although they're just watching our faces react to canned audio, all of that. Thank you for being here. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show and talk about our gaffes because we never mess anything up, right? Here we go. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. So, uh, Sam, we're back, and uh, y you had me wondering, do we even talk about lore on this show? <laughs> Occasionally. Uh, we, we sometimes get into that. Um, but, you know, speaking of gaffes, 
Um, I need to bring this to your attention. I think one of our tier five patrons name is not Shep Valkyrian. I think it's Shep Vicarian. Vicarian. When I see that word and I note, I've noticed that I've done this before. (laughs) I think of Valkyrie, like, you know, like the Norse warriors. Yeah. Yeah. And so my brain just goes to that in the midst of reading all these things every time. And then every time, every time I'm like, ah, crap, that's not the right word. And then I just, I move on. But yes. Vicarian. This is a very meta episode. Vicarian. <laughs> Vicarian. When you say lots of words every day into podcast microphones, you're going to get some of them wrong. So that's right. And sometimes, you know, we lose our trains of thought. I mean, we've tripped over our words so much that you even have a custom sound effect for it, Tom, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the words is hard. I'm not going to click it right now, but yes, words is hard. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, and other times we just say straight up weird things. Uh, so here's a compilation of our best gaffes so far. And so how how could someone not like a nuke gun? Like th- <laughs> this is this is basically the fuck you gun. Yeah, <laughs> and it's my it's my personal favorite because like anyone that's watched my streams know that knows that like after a few deaths in a certain engagement, I get I get so rattled and eventually <laughs> like if I have the cane on me, like I'm, I'm like all right, it's enough child's play. It's time to sit the fuck down. <laughs> Coming this out, I'm pulling this yeah. thing out. Yeah. Um, and so I pull it out when I've been struggling with <laughs> Jesus. I should rephrase that. <laughs> I pull it out when I've been struggling. <laughs> I pull the gun out uh, when I've been struggling with pyros flanking me with turrets. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get over that gaff. Swip <laughs> it out, dude. <laughs> Brush up on my Fornax lore. <laughs> Got a sexy Preferably. Hannah on the cover. Uh, we can. I'll defer to our two resident Mass Effect relationship experts on that one. Uh, of course, I'm referring to Genesis and Mervada. They they run a podcast on relationships and video games. If you haven't checked it out yet, uh, probably should do that. But we'll save the plugging for the end. Um, th- that being said. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I amused myself. <laughs> that being, is that going to get an explicit tag? I bet it will. Anyways, something will eventually. Go ahead. Are you also saying that you don't fear the reaper? Don't fear the reaper. I I brought my cowbell just for this moment. If you could bang it really hard next to the mic, that'd be great. Okay, I'll also jostle my uh my my body like this. Will I do it? My- my body like this will I do it? Like my body like this will I do it? Does that count as the ASMR? Uh, it can, yeah. It, uh, it There's a market. It does and it also doesn't at the same time. Um, it depends on how turned on you are by my jostling body. All right. That was a uh, callback to the pre-show conversation. That's why you need to tune in to us live. On- First, the Batarians find a dormant reaper maybe not a dead reaper, but a dormant reaper. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they start acting out. They start slamming ass, trying to slam asteroids into planets. They start <laughs> trying to disrupt things said, the same way that the, that the Rachni did. You said slamming ass. <laughs> slamming ass. I'm sorry. Oh, did I really? Slamming ass. You just said, you meant to say asteroid, but you stopped. You, you kind of slamming ass asteroid. And I'm like, <laughs> I was just like, oh my God. They start slamming ass, trying to slam ass. <laughs> oh, no. uh, 
<laughs> oh, this is quite the episode. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there there are times that I purposely don't edit things out. Obviously, the the funny gaps, I leave the funny gaps. But even just the moments of just like us trying to get it back together. I think I think that plays really well with like the genuine like this was not scripted. <laughs> this is us just cracking up trying to talk back into a microphone. Yeah. Yeah, that was none of those were scripted. Um all of those were very off script actually. <laughs> and, <laughs> right, right. And uh yeah, the the slamming ass comment, I I had completely forgotten the context of it. Um but man, that might be one of my worst gaffes that I've ever made ever. <laughs> it's like, so good. It's so good. What's fun <laughs> what's also funny is I'm just think I'm thinking back to the previous conversation about making t-shirts. We could have made that a t-shirt. <laughs> we should have made the slamming ass comment as a t-shirt. Oh man, that could have gotten some weird looks though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Imagine know. wearing that to the wow. mall. Oh, what is even the picture? <laughs> okay. Um, but okay, so we got to rein this in a little bit because not everything on this show is just goofs and, and silliness. There are moments where we talk about very serious things. And I think that's part of part of what we've always meant to bring with the show. In fact, if anything, I think the show is probably built around the serious moments and the, the lore and those things. And the silliness just happened on its own, right? Like, yeah, yeah. it happens along the way. Um, and, and so the Lord does bring up a lot of these things, these real life topics that people struggle with. And so where I, I think if you were to take a pie chart and divide it between like serious and silly, the vast majority of what we talk about is going to be serious, but we do have those silly moments along the way. But you know what I'm told was one of people's favorite episodes. It wasn't one of the funny ones. Mm -hmm. it, it was one of the most tragic ones. And it's the story of what happened to Joker's family. So, yeah. So let's I've, I've, let's take a, a listen to some of the some of what you've assembled for that. Here we go. Because this is canon. Uh, what we're what we are about to talk about. Um, and I'll walk you through how it starts. We run into a pair of Asari talking at Huerta Memorial Hospital in Mass Effect 3 on the Citadel. Uh, and a com it's a commando who has seen some really traumatic stuff and is working through PTSD with a counselor. So the nurse tells me you've refused to bathe and you only want to talk to another Asari. Yes. Can I have a gun? I'm sorry. No. Maybe I could be transferred to another hospital then. Someplace unsecured. I could have a gun then, right? And no humans. Wherever you transfer me, it, it, it shouldn't have humans. The humans are our allies. You don't trust them? No, it's not that. I... How are my eyes? What, what, what color are they right now? Maybe you could tell me what happened. We were deployed to Tiptree. It's a small human colony. We were supposed to help with evac. And the enemy was landing. Just scouts, the Turian things, a few of them big ones. We were spread over half the continent, getting colonists to shuttles, wiping out husks. It sounds like you were doing good work. Could I have a gun? I'd feel a lot better. Just tell me what happened at Tiptree. We're at this little farm. We'd killed a few enemy scouts, and it's, it's quiet. The shuttle gets called away for support, so I'm there for the night. The humans get me dinner, show me around. One of them, this freckled farm girl, maybe... 15. She wants to hear all about what it's like to be a commando. You were probably the most exciting thing ever to land at her farm. Yeah. 
She's saying she wants to be a pilot, and I say that life on a ship is grimy. And husks start pouring through the door. Goddess. So I ran. I got out of that farm and into the hills. I pulled the farm girl after me. All I wanted to do was live through the night. So after two days, I still don't have a gun, because those Turian things, you, you can't use theirs. I realize that shuttle isn't coming. Not unless I get back to the farm and my radio. And the farm girl? She was with me. Even killed a few husks. With a stick. I got to... I'm going to transfer out of that because it goes on for a while, right? And um, is there something else you wanted to point out from that? That specific section I should jump to or what do you think sure well well you know it it, it goes on and tells the rest of the story yeah. and um, ultimately you know spoiler alert for anyone that cares um, the Asari ends up taking care of Joker's sister Hillary mm -hmm. and in their attempt to escape Reaper forces uh, Hillary breaks her leg and the Asari has to silence her Right. So that the Asari can survive. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to the episode about Joker's family. And um, one of the reasons why I think this resonates so much with the audience is the terrific quality of the voice acting in the game. The, the fact that, like, we're not watching any of these things happen. We're just listening to them be explained. And yet it's so emotional and gut wrenching. It is. It is completely so. And and so that's one of the things that we talked about after all of those clips, especially when, you know, Joker goes and asks Liara about records from Tip Tree. And Liara says, well, you know, I don't have any names, but it does look like there was an evacuation, mostly women and children. And Joker says, well, then maybe I only lost my dad. Yeah. But he mentions his sister's name during that conversation, Hillary. And so the, the player puts two and two together that... Hillary is the farm girl that the the Asari had to kill to right. to to escape and right. and it does a few things well it does the voice acting well it does the entire depiction of PTSD I think very well mm -hmm. because the Asari continually continually keeps reverting back to that that de that demand of can I have a gun what color are my eyes right, right. and that replicates the cyclical right. nature of PTSD's thought process never feeling safe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a real life, you know topic and people really struggle with this with this kind of thing um, And I, I think that's yeah another reason why it resonates so well with people Yeah, so there were obviously these very touching moments we've talked to and it makes sense I mean the games have touching moments. There are moments in these games that are just emotionally powerful and you come to love the characters and then finding out that even a character's family, somebody, people that you didn't even know, and this is what happens to them. And that still tugs at you, even when it's not the person right in front of your face, the one that you've built a relationship with over three games or whatever. Um, so, but there, there's that stuff, but then there's, we've still got some other goofiness that comes about from the show. And you guys <laughs> told us that you like some of this other stuff as well, right? Yeah, so we saw your responses, and it turns out that not only am I a fan of impressions, anyone that stopped by one of my streams has seen a couple. I do uh, Bane that I've done on here before, <laughs> an old man. I should talk like an <laughs> old man. Just old man. <laughs> my yeah. back hurts. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And I can, uh, on occasion, do a pretty good Arthur from Red Dead. Uh, but, you know, we've done a few of, of impressions during the show's runtime, and apparently people like them. All right, so here we go. Here's some of the impressions. Especially because I can just imagine, like, a contract slide, slides across Zaid's desk. He looks at it and he goes, too fucking messy. And then he talks. Tosses yeah. it, yeah. and that contract comes across the Eclipse desk, and they're like, mm, "Too, too involved." <laughs> that like, that's accident yeah, related on for them. I don't know why. That's just that's just they're, <laughs> too, they're a snooty too involved for us. I think we're going to pass on this one. Mm. Mm. All of a <laughs> this, sudden, they become stewy. <laughs> How's that novel coming along, Brian? Mm. Mm. Hmm. We're gonna have to pay Seth MacFarlane for that one. Oh God! Uh, oh no! He already has enough money. He should give us some of it. But for Talid, why would they agree? Like, why would they agree when he went to the Blood Pack and said, "I need a bodyguard"? Right? Yeah. Like, did did Talid first go to the Blue Suns and they were like, "No, fuck off," and then he goes to the Eclipse and they're like, "We'd prefer not to." <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes to the blood pack and they're like <laughs> in almost any environment because they are like you know the tardigrades of the mass effects universe um so of course mercenary groups would be super down to recruit them oh and by the way you don't even have to provide them with room and board because they're cool like chilling in the corner <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah just give them a four to sleep on they're cool <laughs> yeah exactly they don't seem to care really um like i don't think luxury is a huge thing in the in the vorcha economy by yeah. the way when i was researching this not a single damn thing i could find about a vorcha economy i don't think that they have one <laughs> nope. um really nope. so <laughs> give them a rat to chew uh, so on and a floor uh, yeah okay. i really wonder what they get paid in rats like how do you pay a vorcha rats trident layers rats <laughs> rats and floors rats yeah it's more and more rats the more rats that's how they determine like their social hierarchy who has the most rats <laughs> yeah yeah i have three rats how many do you have that was a pretty good that's a pretty solid fortune hey, impression hey. hire me hire me bio bioware and we can't do all of the impressions there we'd have to clip all sorts of stuff across so many episodes uh oh my god so many <laughs> i mean we have really done quite a few um but i hope that those <laughs> i hope those hold up and if you're interested in hearing more of our impressions then i guess you'll just have to go listen to the rest of the mass effect lore cast <laughs> bane's a bane's a fan of your uh, your stream <laughs> ah yes the rat munches <laughs> the Vorcha. So, <laughs> so speaking speaking of doing voices, we've had some very famous people on the show. We have. Um, you know, I, I've reached out to a few, and there was a guy who plays a pretty big role in the game who just joined us for this past in seven day, and then the in seven day before that. Yeah, remotely. So. The first time that I that we had had Mark Mir on the show, albeit you know it was from a pre-canned audio, I couldn't believe that he really actually just replied to me when I reached out to him over Twitter, and I said, "Hey, could we just ask you a question?" And then he said, "Sure." And then he just you know emailed us the audio file of him answering it, and then <laughs> took care of some you know custom requests from us, like the you know this is my favorite lore cast. Um, but then to be able to chat with him the second time was fantastic. Like, 
Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've played the game for so long. I can't think of like, uh, were you, have you been able to interview Wes Johnson? Oh yeah. For a comparison. Yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. I've had Wes Johnson on the fallout and elder scrolls lore casts. Um, I've, I've been able to talk with uh, like, I don't know, 10 or 12 other voice actors that have done games like fallout and elder scrolls during some of these big events. And man, these people, uh, what, a what awesome talent. And then also some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. Like these people are, are amazing what they do for the fans, even when they're not, I mean, they got paid, they did the recordings, they did the games and a decade later, they're still chatting with fans and responding to emails from schmoes like us who are just like, Hey, we got a podcast. Right. And just so everyone knows, like Mark Mir never asked us for payment for anything. No, no, no. Not, I mean, there wasn't even discussion about that. It was just a, no. let me see if I can work it in my schedule. Okay. I can do it. Let's set it up. Yeah. That was it. So it was very cordial. So we, yeah. we're very appreciative of that. But, you know, those interviews, I probably one of the highlights of uh, my content creation career or, you know, even included with media since that's what I do full time. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool stuff. So we've got a, a clip here from uh, Mark Mir. So let's give this a listen. Had Keith David's performance in our headsets as we were recording really helps that because let's face it, Keith David is not only one of the great voice actors of all time, one of the great actors of all time, but one of the great human voices in, in existence. And so getting to play that scene with him was something really special. Yeah, I'm going to pause it there because that goes uh, sure. it's another clip that goes on for a while. And if you'd like to go listen to both episodes from N7 Day where we have Mark Mears voice or or him as a guest, then you're welcome to go check that out. Um, so, yeah, also one of the big highlights of doing the show is being able to talk with people like Mark. Definitely. And, you know, the second time that he was on the show, we asked him what exactly you know how was it trying to voice a character that is supposed to be a blank slate mm -hmm. uh you know and, yeah. and he told us uh very frankly he was like you know there were a lot of times in mass effect one where i would deliver something with too um, too much emotion and then the the direction was we got to bring that down a little bit because not only is Shepard a soldier and doesn't crack under pressure he says but you know it's it's also a matter of not everyone's going to stick with pure renegade or pure paragon. So you can't make it too mood flippy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. So he helped us uh, understand that once and for all, which was nice. And he also commented on, you know, the traumatic impact of the war on Shepard and how that's why by Mass Effect 3, he was allowed to give uh, his direction was allowed a little bit more emotion in the way that he delivered those lines. Yeah. I mean, it loosens you up. You've been through a lot of stuff. So you're going to be a little bit more emotional, a little bit, I don't know, quicker to react or more yeah. feel a little bit more about what's going on because you've invested so much in it and lost so much already. So yeah, it yeah totally and the makes collective sense. trauma is just, you know, yeah. weighing on Shepard by that time. That's what he said. So, so yeah, that was, that was, to say it was a delight to interview Mark Muir would be a massive understatement. Yeah. So that was one of the big highlights. But then we also have some other, uh, there's another favorite moment that we'll be doing in the next clip. You want to talk about That's this a little right. bit? Yeah. You know, um, 
by far, we had an overwhelming amount of admiration for the music of Mass Effect episode, which sadly, Tom, I know you were sick and you had to miss. Totally miss out on it. Yeah. It's like everyone's favorite episode. And I was just like, <laughs> I think I probably had COVID at the time. I think ultimately I think that's did. what it was. And so I was just like, you don't want me in front of a camera or on a microphone and right now. Fun fact, I didn't write this in the notes, but did you know that that episode's anniversary is today? Oh, is it? Wow. It was one year wow. ago today. Wow, that's weird. That's weird that it worked out. That Isn't way. that crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. So, uh, of course, it was it was very fun to record. And we interviewed uh, two very well-trained uh, musicians, Pipe Man uh, and Mike, about the stuff. They're, they're brilliant. Uh, but it ended up being two hours long. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. how fun it was to talk to them. And, and you know when our listeners' favorite part took place? It was the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was the very end. The very which, end. You know, it, uh, haha, there's the joke about, you know, they were happy we were done talking. But really, it was two <laughs> hours, eight minutes in after we had been dissecting some really tedious musical theory notes, you know, that that unless you're a music nerd, I, I would have guessed it would have made you tune out. Well, you know, like, listening back to it, because I wasn't there for the recording, but editing it, listening back through the episodes, they did such a good job explaining it. And yes. using examples and, and really helping people. I'm a musician, but as somebody who isn't a musician, putting things on a level that they would understand as well. So props to them, because that was huge. They were great teachers. And so, you know, we've talked about it before. Statistically, most people stop listening to podcasts after about 45 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So There's I was so shocked. Off. Yeah. At the number of responses that we received that mentioned this exact scene two hours and eight minutes into this one episode. Yeah, you can track um, this stuff, too, on like, for example, YouTube. I believe if you look at the audience uh, data for how when how much people actually listen to an episode, that episode in particular, I feel like I remember in my mind, I don't have in front of me is like it, there's the initial drop off where people are like, oh, it's a podcast with talking heads. I don't want to watch it. Right. Like that happens on YouTube. People are like, I, I want to see action clips while people talk. I don't want to see talking heads. And then after that initial drop off, the rest of that two hours is like a straight line. It's like, wow. Yeah, it's it's like I mean, there's usually a gradual decline, but it's way more straight than the average episode. So um, so, yeah, I guess we are not as in interesting as they are. So maybe they should no. do their own podcast. <laughs> I said it back then, you know, we really <laughs> should bring them on for another episode, another music episode. Um, but, you know, this scene is just to set the scene is we've been talking about dissecting why composers made tracks like leaving earth so moving or where the shepherd light motif comes from and then pipe man all of a sudden brings out this set of bagpipes and and i'm on a zoom call with him even though we never released the video version of that episode so i'm on a i'm on a zoom call and i just see pipe man bring out this set of bagpipes and i'm like what is going on right now and then he belts out one of the most iconic melancholic and nostalgic tracks from the game so let's take a listen <laughs> Pipe Man, what's your favorite musical moment or track from the game? Um, man, that's so that's a fantastic question, and I I have to agree with Mike. You know, it's like they're all so good for so many different reasons. But um, I I recall that I did make a um a promise earlier in the episode. Um, before the mid break to um, to demonstrate the um, the use of mixolydian mode um, 
and how it's used in the game. So just for you guys, <laughs> I oh, have man. a set of, Uh-oh. get ready for this. Um, I have a set of small pipes, bagpipes, but they're, they're small pipes. So there's, they're nice and quiet. Um, which I think will explain my, one of my favorite pieces. So if you're listening, if you've listened this far, you, you've got a special treat. You get to hear Pipe Man play the bagpipes right now. Uh, and I am sitting at the edge of my seat waiting for this. I think Donnelly it's Im- would be so psyched. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably important to point out that Pipe Man has spent most of the last uh, 30 to 40 minutes like gesticulating wildly with a bottle of scotch in one hand. The bottle of scotch comment at the end. <laughs> it was yeah. a fun episode. Yeah, so good. And, so good. And that rendition actually so pipe man uh offered to clean up the original performance of how he he uh performed vigil on the bagpipe so that's a remastered recording that we've played it's surprisingly Um, clear for what he was talking to with the microphone for that to be the same clip yeah he did have two mics set up though i will say when we were doing this he had one set up at his desk and then one in his music studio at home Mm -hmm. um but Man, that song Vigil just it hits you so hard if you're a Mass Effect fan. I think and I think and we talked about it during the episode, but I think it's because it's the very beginning song that you hear at the menu of Mass Effect 1. Oh, so wow. every time you've reset and you've finished mm-hmm. a playthrough and you go back to Mass Effect 1, it's almost like reliving, you know, like memories that you had when you were younger when you played it that first time. Right. And right. And it's like it's like if you were able to watch watch yourself as a younger person, you know, relive your life uh, and see those memories of when you were younger, when when Shepard was younger, when when the squad was younger, when everything seemed brand new. And that's what that's the memories that those song that that song evokes, at least for me. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, he also this is a funny little side note. He also mentioned that it's in the Mixolydian mode. And that's actually a very uh, mostly used rock and roll mode of scale. So I don't know if anybody knows what that means. But rock songs, it basically is the same as a major scale, except the seventh note is dropped a half a step. But you do that in rock and roll a lot. It's a very rock and roll kind of mode to play in. But obviously this this song was not using any electric guitars. No, Yeah, no, no, no electric guitars. But I think uh, maybe like I'm extrapolating that out a little bit because we hear it subconsciously all the time in rock music it has a certain familiarity and comfort to it even Mm. though it doesn't sound like a major scale 
So maybe there's something like that might be a good reason to use it is it's familiar, but yet still different enough to kind of yeah. stand out. So just, yeah. just a little side note there. But um, yeah, this was, man, we're at the end of the episode. This is all the clips, guys. And thank you to everybody who took the time to chime in on what some of your favorite parts are. And this has been a really fun time, Sam, going back and just listening through what we've done over 100 episodes. Yeah, you know, we we started from nothing, right? We we, we created this show 100 episodes ago. And and uh, our YouTube, you know, now is at, what do they call it? Partner level? Yeah, yeah, um, it's, it's partnered with like 2,000 and something. Let me, I'm pulling it up right now. As and at last check, I think we had about 500 ratings on Spotify with a 5.9 star average. So uh, I can't express to people how much it means to see that um, because, you know, we did this to start talking about Mass Effect. But I think the reason we keep doing it is because of all of you. Yes. Um, yeah. And I've said it before. I'll, I'll say it again. You know, this podcast and this podcast community and the, and the people that I've met because of it have helped me th through some of probably one of the darkest times in my life. You know, when I moved uh, and I didn't have a job and I was really, you know, I'm one of those people who needs a job. Like I put a lot of pride into my work. So if I don't have a job, I feel almost directionless without purpose. Mm -hmm. And this podcast fulfilled purpose for me during that time. And people were incredibly supportive. Uh, and in a pragmatic way, you know, financially, it helped me make ends meet. Yeah. So well, it is kind of become a job I and mean, it, it is my job and it is uh, it's not your primary job but it's a side job at this point you know it's a it's something that you it, it, i would dare say you invest as much pride in this as you do your own regular main job and having done podcasts long enough now i mean i'm going into my fifth year of successfully doing podcasts that's uh, to, to anybody out there thinking about doing content creation it is absolutely scary. It's terrifying. You you think that you might be sending things out into the void and nobody's ever going to hear you. And most of the time that is what happens. But every so often you might get lucky and, and make something work. But a big part of that is putting the work in and treating it like it's a real thing that you genuinely care about. And by doing that, you can build a community of other people who genuinely care about the same thing that you love so much. And I think that's that's what we found. So. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just uh, I've always believed if it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Yeah. And and that's and, you know, I feel an obligation to our listeners, to our patrons, of course, uh, to get it right. And so that's why I put so much work into doing this episode 100. Of course, it was fun to relive the memories, but I was putting in, you know, a few hours of audio editing after work every day and I don't regret it. Yeah. I don't regret a well, single a single <laughs> single moment. Sorry, I'm getting a little oh, emotional, but oh. well, I appreciate I appreciate you and all the work you do and, and all the research and things of yeah. the past 100 weeks. So 100 weeks, man, that's yeah. crazy. That's like two years almost. Yeah, and we'll we'll come up on our two years in just a few months from now. So man, that's yeah. hitting real soon. You're year three. Maybe we should get a new intro music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we could. I'll, I'll do. I'll do. Look around. I'll see. Maybe we can. Maybe we can get one of our famous musician friends to to whip something up for us. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um. But yeah. Th thank you all for being here. This is a. I mean, this is a big moment for us, and I hope you guys enjoy it as well. And uh, here's to the next 100. And who knows? Maybe more announcements over the next hundred episodes of the next Mass Effect game coming out. 
and all the other stuff that we've got to look forward to with this franchise. So here's to here's to all of that and to all of you guys. And I don't know, big love from us. We wouldn't do it with, if it wasn't for you guys. So thanks for being here. Thanks, guys. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Until next week, stay safe out there in the galaxy. And uh, I guess we'll be back in a week with 101. So we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.